Today, we continue our series, Church on Mission. I want to remind us that the mission to which we have been called requires tenacity and a determination so as to win the race. The race in Greek is the word agon, which you could probably imagine is where we get our word agony. So this race that we have been called to run, this mission is not going to be easy, but it will be worthwhile. The race that we've been called to run, it will not be trendy or popular. We will face persecution. We will face hardships. We will be misunderstood. And there will be times when we feel like giving up and throwing in the towel. But to the one who holds fast, to the one who perseveres, there is joy and help in the race. And there is a great promise that remains. So today we will consider the race and the great promise that makes it all possible from Hebrews chapter 12. here to open up God's Word with you all this morning. And so as you're finding your way to Hebrews chapter 12, I want to ask you, how has your summer been? Hot. I thought I would hear some hots. It has been a blazing hot summer in South Louisiana. It's also been in youth ministry in particular, a very busy summer. If I was to describe summer and youth ministry this summer, it would be an all-out, full-throttle sprint, right? Like in the nine short weeks since school has ended, we uh, did a week-long uh, senior trip with our seniors. Josh Jordan and I led that. We uh, then had VBS week, which was amazing. Uh, we then went on an 11-day Ugandan mission trip. Uh, we've taken our junior hires to a week-long camp in Texas, our high schoolers to a week-long camp in Florida. And next Monday, we, uh, we start a week-long mission trip uh, for our neighbors in the South and the city through the New Orleans mission. And so it's been it's been a busy summer, um, but honestly, I'm thankful for these seasons. I'm thankful for this time because we don't have our students very long. I mean, I'm sitting here worshiping and Amelia Kate is over here singing her heart out as she has done so faithfully like the whole time I've known her. And it seems like just the other day, she was coming into the student ministry and now here she is heading off to college. So we don't have our students very long and we wanna maximize those pivotal moments those important seasons like summer in the life of a student so they can see just how beautiful it is to follow Jesus and how rich it is to be in community and how great it is to serve the King with all of their lives. But for me, I'm getting older every summer. I'm noticing that. And I've lost a step or two along the way. Do you ever feel like that? You've lost a step or two? I remember the first time that really slapped me in the face that I've lost a step. It took place on the road leading out of our subdivision. They had put one of those speed detection radars out there. I guess people were driving too fast. And that's back when we lived in Penn Mill. If you live back the way, you know people drive too fast back there. And so they put that out there to kind of let people know what was going on and they were watching. And so I had seen on television, you could like run in front of those and see how fast you were going. And so I had a wild hair. We were in the van with the whole family. I pulled off the side of the road and I said, Andrew, let's get out and see how fast we can run. And my wife is rolling her eyes as we get out. And uh, so I don't warm up or stretch or anything. And I run hard, probably not 100%, but really hard. And it clocks a 15. I'm like, that sounds about right. That's faster than a full treadmill sprint. So maybe that's about right. My son runs, he runs a 16. I'm like, I've got to run again. And so I knew I had a little left in the tank. So I went as hard as I could go and I got a 16. So I tied him, but then he ran again and got a 17. And at that point, I kind of limped back with a slightly pulled quadricep back to the van. 
with my head down, knowing that I had lost a step and that my son had surpassed me athletically. So maybe you know how that feels, like you've lost a step. You can't run with the same speed or vigor or endurance that you used to run. Maybe you're even facing right now physical limitations that are keeping you from running like you used to, or maybe you're battling a, a disease that has you where you really can't compete or run like you used to enjoy doing, or maybe you're thinking, my age, like Chris, is kind of getting every year, I'm getting a year older and I feel it. But I want to remind us that no matter what your condition physically, you can still run like a winner. And we'll see that in Hebrews 12 today. And I love the sports analogies of scripture. I'm a sports fan. I enjoy sports quite a bit. But the kind of sports that they were playing in those days in New Testament times were limited compared to what we have to enjoy today. That it hadn't, it hadn't created American football yet. I mean, cornhole wasn't even on the scene, right? And, but they did compete in a lot of great sports that we still have, things like archery and wrestling and boxing. There was even an early variation of soccer that was played in those days. And of course, they had a lot of the track and field competitions that we currently engage in, like discus and javelin and all forms of foot racing. And while the summer in youth ministry feels like a sprint most of the time, the Christian life, it's not a sprint, right? Instead, it's more like a long distance cross country endurance run, isn't it? One that requires us to keep our head down and to keep moving with tenacity and determination down the course of life. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three to be our main text this morning. So if you would open up to God's word and let's see what the writer shares from the heart of God. He writes, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated in victory, amen, at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The main idea that rises from this is that, Christian, you have a race to run, so run to win. You have a race to run, so run to win. What is the race? Simply put, it's the Christian life. Just to clarify here, we're not running to get our spot in heaven. It's not as if we compete, outcompete someone, outperform someone, that we earn a place in heaven. No, it was Jesus Christ who secured that place for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, and the life that he lived was sinless perfection that invites us into and puts us into the race. Salvation through Jesus puts us into the race. But if you're in the race and you've made the decision to follow Jesus and it is time to run and you can run well no matter your physical limitations today. As a matter of fact, I know many people who are running the best stretch of their race right now in the midst of difficulty, better than they did even whenever they were fully healthy. And from scripture, Paul is that kind of example, isn't he? You see, it was in the weak places of his life where the strength of God was perfected in him. And it was Paul who wrote these incredible words that as he neared the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I get the image as Paul writes those words that as his life is fading, he is stretching out and lunging towards the finish line. 
because he doesn't want to leave anything not out there on the track. He wants to give every ounce that he has because what we have been given in this life is a great gift. And I love how Paul brings that competitive nature to the race of the Christian life. I know that speaks to many of you, right? In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul wrote again, run the race in such a way so as to win because our lives and the gift we have received, those things are precious to God. And so we don't need to be out there just running for a participation trophy. We need to run in such a way as to win. So how can we run in a winning way? with the life that we have been given. This passage in Hebrews, I think, really helps us to see how we can run in such a way. If you notice, as I read, verses one and two is just simply one long sentence in the Greek. And the main verb of this long sentence is the verb run. Let us run. That is what we are called to do. That's the action point of the passage. There there are three participles, three keys that inform us how we are to run in such a way as to win. The first key is to see that you're surrounded. See that you're surrounded. The verse begins, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that expression just means there's a large group of people that are witnesses to this race. He reminds us of that as he begins this part of the passage. But also notice that it begins with the word therefore, and every time the word therefore is in scripture, it's referring to something that has just been stated. So this therefore sends us all the way back to towards the end of chapter 10, all through chapter 11, until it gets here to chapter 12 that we just read. This therefore points us back to these words from chapter 10, beginning in verse 36. He says, for you, Christian in the race, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But Christian runner, we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Then for the next 38 verses of chapter 11, he mentions 18 specific examples from the Old Testament of witnesses that ran the race faithfully. And in these 18 examples, he runs the whole Old Testament gauntlet from pre-flood Abel to Noah to Father Abraham to Moses and David and the prophets and several more sprinkled in. And it's these witnesses that now surround us that lived by faith in difficult days, even when they couldn't see the full promise of what their faith would provide. It's an amazing cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. And their example of running with faith is the example for us. And then notice how he concludes the heroes of faith section there in chapter 11, beginning in verse 39, when he says, and all of these witnesses, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. What is that? The full gospel through Jesus Christ the one that they were looking towards that we now look back upon and build our life upon. We have something better than they have. And it's not apart from us that they should be made perfect. In other words, it's what Jesus did that allows us to be made perfect together, whether before Christ or after Christ. And we're all in this race of faith together. That's what he wants us to see here. These that ran strong against their pagan cultures, even when they couldn't see the full revelation of what God was doing through his son. 
And these heroes of the faith are now in the arena watching us as we run our race in our hour. And I think that's the deliberate picture that the author is painting for us here. Like in those days, we think we're very technologically advanced in our day, but they tell us that the actual arenas, that they competed in the largest games, like at Mount Olympus and Delphi and Corinth, that those arenas were actually bigger than NFL stadiums today, massive arenas. And so I think this is the picture that he's painting. Like There's this huge crowd that's out there watching us. And I just see as he writes these words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob up there in the box suites, like cheering us on. I can see King David in full battle regalia with his sword above his head, encouraging us to fight the good fight. Or maybe the once emaciated prophets who are now full of strength and vigor through the healing of the Lord in heaven, urging us to keep running even when it's difficult and people don't listen or don't understand and we're misunderstood. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And as I consider this section, I can't also help but think of a a relay race and the baton is coming to us, has been passed to us and we're to carry it forward. You know, the, the relay race is probably the most technical of the races, foot races of track and field. And the USA men's four by 100 meter relay team has been one of the most dominant teams over the course of the modern Olympics. And if the last 111 years, they've run 41 times in either world championships or the Olympics. And in 40 out of the 41, that is a very high percentage, right? In 40 of the 41 races, they've either finished first or second, or they've been disqualified. Now, what would you guess the reason for almost all of those disqualifications are? They dropped the baton. And when you drop the baton, you don't pass it, in, or it didn't pass it within the confined uh, section of the racetrack. When that happens, you're disqualified. Bad handoffs has plagued the most dominant physical team over the last hundred plus years and has robbed them of many other medals they would have won. Because crazy things happen when two of the most elite athletes and fastest human beings alive are running at top speed, trying to make a blind handoff of a baton in a confined area of a racetrack when there's the intense pressure of competition going on around them and every tenth of a second matters, right? If you really step back and think about it, that sounds a lot like the Christian life we've been called to. And there's a lot of things competing for our attention and for our energy. There's a lot of noise. Everything we do, we know matters. We've been called to run in this environment. And I'm thankful for their example of how they have run in these difficult days. And now we are called to run because the baton has truly been passed from generation to generation. And now we have been called to receive it well and to run with endurance. Because church, there is more than a gold medal on the line in this race. This race has eternal significance. And we will stand before the judge of the race one day. But thank God, Thank the judge of the race. We have an advantage that they didn't have. We have the fulfillment of the promise in Jesus. And so we need to see that we're surrounded. And the second key is that we need to lay aside whatever leads to losing, to lay aside whatever it is that leads to losing. This is what the writer says, right? Let us lay aside every weight and sin that trips us up or slows us down. It's a hindrance to us running our best. Again, another very powerful word picture that's being painted because in those days, much like in our modern time, professional racers, they don't run in a whole lot of clothing, right? 
And even more so in those days. Why? Because it's restrictive and they want to be free to run the race. Now they would enter the arena, those massive arenas, in their long, flowing, colorful robes, in their grand entrance. But then before it was time to get into the blocks, they would remove those, lay them aside because they would not even entertain the idea of running with this thing that would hinder them from winning the prize that lay before them. They didn't want anything to interfere with the purpose that they were there. Paul helps us to understand this idea in 1 Corinthians 6.12 when he writes, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. In other words, even if something isn't necessarily wrong, if it isn't helpful for me as I run the Christian race, then I need to be willing to remove that from my life. Maybe for you, it's a hobby or it's a a friendship or it's binge watching television or, or sleep. Now, none of those things, friendship, watching television, you know, sleep, hobbies, none of those are inherently wrong. But if they're keeping us from running well, then the rider is calling us to drop those things. And so as not to sound legalistic, I really think there's, there's oftentimes ways to modify those things so that we can run our race really well. And as I thought about that, like, man, God gives us passions. We enjoy certain things, but we need to run our race well. That's the most important thing. So it made me think about those things that sometimes we look at as a hindrance to us running the race well. I used to love to play golf. I played golf in high school, a lot in early college. And I have a friend that's the LSU BCM director. His name is Steve Masters. And he's always posting on Facebook him playing golf. And if you didn't know any better, you're like, man, how does this guy even do his job? He's playing golf all the time. But then you look at the pictures and you realize who he's playing with. He's playing with LSU students where he is been commissioned to serve. And in that time, it's a very special time to play golf with someone. And he's learning about them. He's hearing about their stories, helping them to find faith or to walk in faith in the difficult years of college. So he's running his race well. He's modified something that maybe could be a hindrance into something that's being useful for the kingdom. And I even thought about this this morning, and I have to include it. Uh, Tim Tebow, I mean, he used to always be the example for everything in a sermon like this, but he really was a great example and is a great example. And But he wants, you remember the, the season of, of life when he was putting scripture references in his eye black? Do you remember that? It was, it was really cool because people would like take and, and there'd be like tens of million, millions of hits on Google of the, what he would wear in his eye black. So it was really effective. People were looking things up like, what is, he, what is he talking about? But it was in 2008, whenever he put this very passage in his eye black, Hebrews 12, one through three, and then he went out and destroyed my Florida State Seminoles. And so... But I mean, but Tebow was, you know, just running the race well, right? And I think he has done that. It's a good example to a lot of young athletes even today. You know, we must see though that there are many things that aren't necessarily sinful, but keep us from competing at our best. And we, will, we don't want to look like the guy that shows up to, to the gym in, in jean shorts, right? I mean, what, what's that guy doing there? He's not there to really compete his best and do his, to give us all. I mean, we, and sometimes we look like that if we're honest as a church or as individuals. Like we're not ready to run. We're all restricted by all sorts of things and we're not ready to give our very best. And the writer of Hebrews is like, come on, you gotta look at what we've been called to in this race that we've been entered in through Jesus's grace and mercy. And we need to run the very best that we can with the opportunity that we have been given. We need to reclaim our calendars for God's glory and our budgets for God's glory and our habits, look at them very closely and see how they're hindering us. And we need to cut weight so we can run the best of our ability for the glory of God. It's been said that good things are bad things if they keep us from the best thing. Good things are bad things if they keep us from the best thing. 
And I love, I really appreciate that the writer here isn't just talking about cutting out things that are sinful. We know without a shadow of a doubt that things that are unrepentant sin in our life or patterns of sin, that we cannot run victoriously this race of the Christian life with those things. But sometimes we don't even think about there's other baggage that we're carrying that's holding us back. And so I think for all of us, it would be fitting for us to spend time in prayer to the Lord saying, God, what are those things? that are hindering me from being the very best that I could be for your glory. To help people understand the beautiful message that you've entrusted to me and to run with during this season of my life. Again, I'm not here to tell you what is holding you back, but I do wanna challenge you to hear the cheers of the faithful that surround us and for us to lay aside those things that hold us back. And then he says to run with endurance, the race that is set before you. And this next little blank on your sermon sheet is is crucial. You need endurance. Endurance is a key word, but also your is a key word. You need endurance for your course. We need endurance because again, life is not a sprint. Like life in ministry, even student ministry, isn't built on quick bursts. It's built on being discerning and, and wise about the things that you do and why you do them right in this life. It's interesting to me that the Greek word here for race is the word agon, from which we get our word agony. Running really is agonizing. It is for me. It's not my favorite form of exercise. But we have what it takes because of Jesus to press in and to push through, and we need endurance from him to do that. I don't do a lot of running. I'm thinking about starting to do more running, even in light of this passage, but I don't do a lot of running, but I got a real understanding in real time of what endurance look like, looks like in May of 2022. Uh, Josh and myself and Jade was on that trip as well, Christian Arsmith. Uh, we led a group of high school seniors, the 2022 class, on a trip to Colorado. All right, it's, a, it's a beautiful trip, end of May. And part of the itinerary that we put in there for those that wanted to, that were bold enough, we wanted to summit Quandry Peak one of the 14ers of Colorado in late May. If you know anything about Colorado in late May, there's still a lot of snow out there. So we had to put on our snowshoes. We had to begin to make our way up the peak. And we had about 10 or so that started. Others went to sip coffee in Breckenridge while we climbed Quantry Peak. And the 10 or so of us that started the journey, man, we started on that. Man, we were just laughing and talking. It was just fun. We were walking through the beautiful you know, evergreens of the Colorado mountains, and and then we got above the tree line and the chatter and the fun and the jokes began to kind of wane and then people started dropping off and as we got over 13,000 feet and then the 13,500 feet, it got really tough up there. And at that point, we kind of broke off in a couple splinter groups that were just kind of going at whatever pace they could go at. And I was walking with a young man and we literally got to the point where like, let's count 25 steps and stop and rest. 25 steps and stop and rest. And we did that until we made it to the top. And that journey taught me a lot about enduring and pushing through when things got tough, but it also taught me about how crucial it is to have people with you on the run of endurance. You see, with endurance, we have to run, but we also have to run our course, the course that God has laid before us. You see, all of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 had a different course. If we're honest, we read through that, some of their accomplishments by faith look more impressive than others, right? All of them had different personalities and different resources. 
different circumstances. But it's interesting that all of them were commended for running their race with faith. It reminds me of a story I heard about a small, frail Cajun man who was sitting on his front porch on a Louisiana Saturday night, and he was sitting next to this big, brawny Cajun man. And the little guy looked at the big guy and said, if I was as big and strong as you, I'd go out into the bayou and I'd wrestle the biggest gator I could find. And the big Cajun strong man looked at the little guy and he said, have you ever thought about the fact that there are a lot of little gators out in the bayou too? I mean, maybe the Lord has a small gator for you to wrestle, right? Your your race won't look the same as others, but it's so easy for us to take our eyes off the course that God has laid before us and begin to say, look, if I could only have what he had or if I I could only do what, what they could do, then I would do this and I would do that. And God said, no, 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 you wrestle your own gator. Like, I've given you a course to run on. You run that course well. You look straight ahead at this portion of your course, and you run it with endurance. You see, in the, in, in the midst of the busyness of this summer in youth ministry, most of you know, and many of you have been praying through a truly unexpected, significant medical emergency of one of our own, Phoenix Bigler. I mean, most of you know the story. And Phoenix plays in a praise band, one of our students, and it's been an area of major concern for our whole student ministry. We spent significant portions of time in prayer and counsel. And yet in real time, we're getting a picture of what it looks like to run a very difficult part of a race with endurance. The life of Phoenix's parents, Kim and Ben, and and through even Phoenix's, he is trying to take one step at a time each day. We've also seen the value of, of how as we walk through this thing together that we gain endurance when we're almost too weak to take another step. As I scanned the auditorium this morning, and I know many of your stories, there's so many others that are struggling through that really tough portion of their race. And I know that many of you are coming alongside others, and that's why we are called to run this race Together, And I actually want to stop right now and just ask if we as a church could pray for those in our church congregation that are walking through a really difficult part because there are many stories that we're carrying and helping to bear burdens through for those that we love and know. So there may be someone on your row you want to put your hand on, you know, is walking through a tough time. There may be someone who's not able to be here that's on your mind. Use this time to pray for them as I pray for those in our church and specifically Ben and Kim and Phoenix. So would you join me in prayer that we can intercede on behalf of those that are walking right now with endurance through a difficult part of their race. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and our heart hurts for those that we love that are hurting. And Lord, we want to just come alongside of those that are brothers and sisters in Christ and God pray on their behalf. God, we pray that you would bring steadfast endurance as they battle physically and spiritually during this season of recovery. God, I want to specifically lift up Ben and Kim, my dear friends. God, right now, I pray that as this difficult journey is worn on for many, many weeks now, God, that you would give them the strength that they need to make one more step and to run even in this very difficult uphill portion of their race, God, well. I thank you for the way that they've honored you and glorified you through this most difficult time. And God, I pray for my brother Phoenix that you would continue to give him the strength to battle and to continue, Lord, to improve one day, one brick at a time, God, in his life. But God, I'm also aware of so many other needs. And God, I lift up my brothers and sisters in Christ that are here. Many are carrying burdens. God, right now, I pray that they would lay those at your feet 
and they would trust you one step and look to you for the endurance they need for that very next step in their journey and race. God, I pray that we would continue to be diligent as a church to pray for and encourage and strengthen those who are going through hard and difficult things, even in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for praying. Let's continue to do that in the days ahead because we are called to run with endurance. I also look around and I see a lot of young people, boys and girls, many of whom gave their life in to Christ in VBS or maybe at kids camp. I see many of our youth that are here and many of them made significant dis- decisions at youth camp. And, and uh, I just want to encourage you. First, thank you for seeing and responding to who Jesus is. That's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I love the fact that many of you and many of our students have done that at a young age. And many of them are, are looking to run the race well in, in junior high and high school and into college. But let me just tell you, The call is to endure. The race is going to be difficult. There are going to be times, students and young people, and you feel like giving up. You can just ask your mom and dad, your grandparents of faith, and they'll tell you there were seasons in my life when I didn't know if I could take another step. But the call is to persevere to the end. It's to that one that receives the crown. And finally, let's look at the last key for running well. First, see you're surrounded. Man, I'm thankful for those who have gone before us. We need to lay aside everything that leads to losing. And thirdly, we need to fix our eyes on the founder and finisher of the faith. Fix our eyes on the founder and the finisher of the faith. The ESV says, looking to Jesus. I always love the translation. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the founder and perfecter. Others say author and finisher of the faith. This phrase is translated looking unto or fixing our eyes upon. It uses a preparation that indicates that we are to look away from everything else so we can look directly at Jesus because he is the one we look to if we're going to run to win. I mean, it's great to have a big crowd and arena cheering you on, right? That, that encourages me. But if you get in the blocks to run and the gun goes off and you start running or you're looking for your mark and your relay to run, and you start getting distracted by the cheers in the crowd or looking up and waving when it's your time to run, you're not going to compete very well. No, what do you do to compete well? You keep your eyes on the goal. And Jesus Christ is the one who is the example. Their example is great, but Jesus is the example. He's the one that neither sinned nor stumbled. He is the one we are called to fix our eyes upon. He is the one and the only one that's the founder and the finisher of our race of faith. Hebrews 6.20, he is called our forerunner. I love that expression because it makes us understand that he is the one that blazed the trail. He is the one that sets the course. He is the one that calls us on. He is the voice that beckons us to continue going. He is the one whose example stirs us up to continue when we feel like just sitting down and giving up. We look to the one that the writer said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We should consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We must fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who faced the agony of the race, of the cross, and he looked through it to the glory and to the pride on the other side. And we are to run through the agony and to the joy. This is the example of Jesus, to see the joy in the agony. Church, we are called to run our race with this victorious resurrection power of Jesus. 
in the midst of a world filled with enemies that surround us, that we hear the cries and the chants and and remember the example of those who have gone before us. But even more than that, that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that the things of the world will grow strangely dim and and, and him in our view. We will run with all of, of all of our hearts and leave everything on the track and lunge towards the finish line because he is the founder and the finisher who made this promise that we stand upon, that gives us strength to stand in the midst of the most difficult journeys. He is the one that makes the promise sure. And church, we are called to do that. So as we conclude, back to the imagery of this race, because this race is real and this race matters. And we are called to run it with faithfulness through the finish line. And I want you to get the end of the race in mind. Because the end of the race you're going to stand before the judge of the race. And the judge is watching the race. And it's the judge who calls out, hey, you're disqualified for this. You didn't meet this. We're going to stand before the judge. And I love that the writer of Hebrews is giving us keys to, to run our race well because I want us to stand before the judge and I want us to hear from the judge seated on the bema, the judgment seat, to say, well run, my good and faithful servant, Right? That's what we're striving for, to honor him with our lives, to give all that we have to run in a way that honors him and is a blessing to others and it shares the good news that has changed us and is changing us one step of the journey at a time. And if you've never made the decision to trust Christ, if you've never laid your life down in order to, by faith, have your life restored and entered into the race through Jesus, if you've never trusted upon him for salvation, it begins there. Nothing else in this life ultimately will matter. But what you've done through Jesus and for Jesus will last for eternity. If you've never given your life to Jesus, it is your time now to enter the race. And I would invite you to join us because everything in Hebrews 12, one through three is written not just to us individually. It is written to us together. It is written to the church. It is the plan of God for us to live and to move and have our being in him and to do that together in the race course, in the relay of faith. And as we close, it's time for a final team huddle before we head back to the racetrack. As we conclude, I want you to notice that we got to enter this race personally through faith in Jesus but everything in this passage is about us and we. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So most importantly, are you in the the race? And once you are, will you join that cloud of faithful witnesses by running your race with faith through the finish line? And will you pass the baton faithfully to those who come after. You see, we together are called to carry the good news forward and we're to do that by our witness, by our witness individually and together as the church. So are we running the race with those around us? I'm so encouraged by our church family. And even in recent days, I've seen so many pull together to run together. If you are not a part of that, come become a part of that because we are called to be a church on mission together. So as we close, I just want you to right where you are, just even close your eyes for a moment and block everything out and fix your eyes on Jesus. And for those who've never truly fixed their eyes on Jesus and trusted him for salvation, even right now may be your time that God is calling you and say, it's time for you to quit running all of these foolish races that will end in ruin and to come to me. 
And so in a moment, whenever we give the invitation, why don't you come? Take a pastor by the hand and say, I'm ready to start running the race with Jesus. I put my faith in him. I'm here to repent and to follow him. For others, maybe it's gonna be your time at these altars just to come and say, you know what? I need to lay aside some things, some things that are holding me back, that are hindering me from running this race well. And in faith, I wanna lay those down at the altar. You may even want a brother or sister in Christ to come with you and pray with you because they know the battle you're struggling and to lay that down so you can run with endurance a race that is set before you. Or maybe right now you barely have the strength to walk to the altar. You barely have the strength to even kneel down where you are because the race, the part of the race you're in right now is really difficult and you don't know how to endure. Right now, maybe you want to seek God in this time of invitation for endurance to run faithfully in this most difficult part of your race. However, the Lord would lead you to respond. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I'm going to ask that you stand. If the Lord is calling you to respond in any way, don't hesitate. Father God, we, we love you. And Father, we just come with grateful, humble hearts, thanking you for what you have done for us. God, you made a way for us when there was no way. God, you have invited us into the race by your grace. And God, right now, we, we understand the call that we've been given. I pray, God, that we would look to run well. And Lord, for the person who's never given their heart to Jesus, that right now you would bring a, a beautiful conviction upon their heart that is so heavy that they can't turn away again. They would come and lay down their life before you into salvation. For the one who's struggling, God, with those things that are just mounting up and holding them back, God, that they would have the wisdom and the, the faith to lay those down. And Lord, for the one who needs endurance, God, right now, would you breathe a fresh wind upon their life, God, to take that next step. And you would use us as a church, God, to come us alongside and to encourage them as they do. Lord, right now, this is your time. God, I pray that your spirit would search this place and that, God, we would respond to you as only you are worthy for us to respond to in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand up? If the Lord is working in your life in any way, would you come?